The human body is truly amazing. And however amazing you may think it is, unless you've studied physiology, you cannot fully appreciate exactly how amazing it is. One of the things I've always found spectacular about the human body is that it has backup systems. In other words, if something suppresses the body from doing what it normally does by method A, oftentimes it has a method B that it can employ to get the job done. Something similar is also true in the pharmaceutical world. Two drugs using a different mechanism can accomplish the exact same task. Today we're going to look at Pfizer's new COVID treatment drug and ivermectin. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. On November 16th, 2021, Pfizer officially submitted its paperwork to the FDA seeking emergency use authorization for its five-day regimen, its new pill that is supposed to reduce hospitalizations and death from COVID-19. Its name is Paxlovid. Pfizer claims that it has an 89% efficacy rate in reducing hospitalizations and deaths. Pfizer's made a lot of previous statements about efficacy when they were pitching their product, and then when it hit the streets, yeah, it was nowhere close to that. So if past performance tells us what's going to happen in the future with Paxlovid, once it hits the street, we can probably look for an efficacy level of about 50%. But this presentation is about several newer studies, which cumulatively show that ivermectin and Paxlovid accomplish the exact same thing, though each uses a different mechanism to get there. Before I get rolling, I want to thank and credit Dr. John Campbell for bringing this information to my attention. It was interesting, in John's presentation, which is much lengthier than I'm going to be today, uh, he begins with a disclaimer where he says, I'm paraphrasing his statement, I'm not saying that governments around the world and corporations have conspired to prevent people from taking ivermectin and thus causing hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of deaths. I'm not saying that. <laughs> That's his disclaimer. And my interpretation of why he says that at the outset of his presentation is because when you look at the evidence, it's hard to come to any other conclusion. To prevent a virus from causing illness, the key to that is to prevent viral replication. You're probably all aware of that after 22 months living with SARS-CoV-2. The current method to do that is to inhibit, to suppress the activity of an enzyme called CL3 protease, which is specific to SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 uses that enzyme to take long strings of amino acids, which we typically call protein, but more scientifically, they're strings of amino acids, and cleave them into the shorter components, the shorter strings of amino acids, that the SARS-CoV-2 virus needs to construct more of itself, in other words, to replicate. If you take away from the SARS-CoV-2 virus the tool that it uses to cleave those long amino acid strings and make them into short amino acid strings, it cannot replicate. Paxlovid, Pfizer's new COVID treatment drug, does exactly that. It inhibits the CL3 protease enzyme. If you'd like to read about that, the link is down in the notes. By the way, all these studies that John referenced, I think there are seven or eight of them, the links to all of them are in the notes. What I'm going to say next is the purpose of this presentation. Ivermectin also inhibits CL3 protease significantly with great efficacy. It does it with high specificity and a strong disassociation constant. These are pharmacological terms. In other words, ivermectin is highly safe and 
efficacious against SARS-CoV-2. So then, what is the difference between Paxlovid, Pfizer's new COVID treatment drug, and ivermectin? With Paxlovid, Pfizer's laboratory researchers created a brand new molecule that inhibits CL3 protease. That brand new molecule is what has allowed Pfizer to patent Paxlovid to do essentially at the, at the end, it doesn't get there by the same mechanism, but essentially at the end to produce the same outcome as ivermectin, which does it, of course, for pennies. The information about Pfizer and the creation of the molecule is again in a link down in the notes, as is the studies that detail ivermectin specificity and disassociation constant. In light of the fact that the establishment is just incredibly stoked about Pfizer's new drug that's going to inhibit CL3 protease, why have virtually all Western nations condemned ivermectin in addressing SARS-CoV-2 or treating COVID-19? Well, there are two reasons for that. First, under U.S. law, the Federal Food and Drug Administration is barred from granting emergency use authorization to any vaccine if there is in existence at that time an effective treatment for the disease that the virus causes that the vaccine is intended to address. In other words, if the FDA, if the United States government had acknowledged the efficacy of ivermectin, that it was a valid, useful, effective, life-saving treatment against SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, then the FDA would have been legally prohibited from granting any of the vaccine manufacturers emergency use authorization for their vaccines. And at last estimate a couple weeks ago, when I looked at this subject and I shared it with you here, that would have prevented a number of the pharmaceutical companies cumulatively from making during 2021 61 billion dollars. But not to worry, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the money. If you're curious why the FDA would be looking after the financial interests of big pharma to the tune of $61 billion and ignoring the interests of you and I that could use something like ivermectin for just pennies, do yourself a favor and look up a term called regulatory capture. One more word about Paxlovid. It is not to be taken alone. It is to be taken in conjunction with ritonavir a drug that's been on the market for decades. And let me give you a brief explanation for why that is. At the dosage that Paxlovid is going to be prescribed, a natural physiological response in the body will be to create an enzyme, to activate an enzyme that will inhibit Paxlovid from inhibiting CL3 protease. But what ritonavir does, ritonavir inhibits that natural enzyme reaction of our bodies that would then inhibit the action of Paxlovid so that you can take less Paxlovid. But the bottom line of all this is that you have to take two or pay for two prescription drugs in order to get the benefit from the Pfizer COVID treatment pill, which might beg the question, what do you have to take along with ivermectin to inhibit CL3 protease? Oh, right. Nothing. You just have to take one thing that costs pennies. Let's switch gears and talk about Merck, the company that had the patent on ivermectin during the 20th century. During 2020, a number of research institutions in poorer countries reached out to Merck because of Merck's association with ivermectin, reached out to Merck and asked Merck to participate with them in studies to show that ivermectin was effective against SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. Merck declined to help any of those poorer countries. 
On February 4th, 2021, Merck issued an official statement concerning its position on ivermectin and SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, in which it stated, quote, There was no scientific basis for a potential therapeutic effect against COVID-19 from preclinical studies. No meaningful evidence for clinical activity or clinical efficacy in patients with COVID-19 disease, a concerning lack of safety data in the majority of studies. And all of those statements are false. Dr. Pierre Corey, one of the world's experts on ivermectin, responded with this, quote, I need to call attention to how disturbed I am at Merck's actions on February 4th when they issued a statement that there was no evidence to support the efficacy of ivermectin. They even called into question the safety of the safest drug known in history. That statement was a lie, and it's hurting patients, and it's caused an incalculable loss of life. Close quote. By the time Merck made that statement, there were quite a number of observational studies that had been completed concerning the efficacy of ivermectin. Now, let me explain observational studies. Observational studies are very, very simple. I'll start with the old humorous line where you tell the doctor, doctor, it hurts when I do this, and the doctor says, well, don't do that. So if you don't do that, it won't hurt. That, that's a linear equation. Stop doing that, and you'll stop having the pain. Observational studies work in a very similar manner. Somebody reports symptoms of SARS-CoV-2. They immediately start taking ivermectin, and they don't develop moderate or serious COVID-19. As an illustrative example, if you took 500 people and you put them all through what we just talked about, as soon as they start to feel they're not quite right, or they get a test and they're confirmed positive for SARS-CoV-2, they immediately start a regimen of ivermectin. And 489 out of the 500 do not develop moderate or severe COVID-19. That would clearly speak to the efficacy of preventing moderate to serious cases of COVID-19. With an observational study, you know that something is so, even though you don't have information, the scientific knowledge of the precise mechanism. In other words, you know it works, you just don't know why it works. That's an observational study. Observational studies have been used since the beginning of the scientific method, but apparently in February of 2021, Merck didn't feel that there was any validity to any observational study concerning ivermectin. That seems odd. Or perhaps not, because about three weeks after Merck made that statement, the United States government gave Merck millions and millions and millions of dollars. I, I, I believe at the time when I read the story, it said like $399 million, although don't quote me on that number because it's been months since I read that article, in order for Merck to develop a new COVID-19 treatment drug, one that they could patent that would cost dramatically more than ivermectin. But again, I'm sure money had nothing to do with it. In June of 2021, the United States government agreed to buy $1.2 billion worth of Merck's COVID-19 treatment drug, which wasn't even on the market then, still isn't. Um, And Merck had 1,850 people in phase three trial for its COVID treatment drug. I should point out that 1,850 people in a clinical trial is a infinitesimally small fraction of the number of people worldwide that use ivermectin to avoid COVID-19. But we don't pay any attention to that. 
And again, I'm sure it has nothing to do with that $1.2 billion. As I said earlier concerning Dr. Campbell's disclaimer in his presentation, it's difficult to interpret the data any other way. If you appreciate my being able to be here to share this sort of data with you, I want to encourage you to go over to drreality.news. Grab yourself a copy of Body Science. If you let it, it will change your life. Same thing with Income Tax Shattering the Mist. It breaks down an incredibly complex area of law into something every single American can understand, which that sort of reduction of highly complex subjects down to uh, a presentation that everyone can understand is exactly what I do here, and I do it in body science, and I do it in income tax shattering the mist. And the important thing about this is not only will these books change your life if you let them, but it also helps me to continue to be here for you with this kind of information. Thanks. <laughs>